Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical. It's my favourite time of the week when I hear that music, Lewis. I don't know about you, but none of our podcast listeners will ever know what that music is because it's the music we have on our web streaming video anyway. So uh, thank you. It does feel like, yeah, we're just about to um, introduce a Bex ad (laughs) on blankety blanks. It's a real old school television (laughs) moment. That's right. That's right. And I am Ugly Dave Gray. Welcome to Irrational Fear. Uh, We've got two new people on the Patreon this month. Big thank you to Bruce and... Kamini. Incidentally, Bruce and Kamini sounds like an architect firm. I'd love them to build me a presidential <laughs> uh, library. That would be great, Bruce and Kamini. Thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. Hey, we've got two things, Lewis, I need to make you aware of, in particular because your presence mm. is needed. Brisbane, mm-hmm. next Sunday, the 26th of March. We've still got a few seats left for that. It's going to be fun. And Lewis, you will love this and you know me very well. I have shot a, a rap parody of a bad 80s rap. Oh. Jesus, Dan. <laughs> you know why? Because it why? Because it must be done. It must be done. It'll all be explained live on stage. We're going to talk about the we gas do, it's culture. It's 2023. I, We're not doing parody rap anymore. Uh, well, I know. You know, even the Lonely Island isn't doing parody rap anymore, and they were actually good at I, it. I know, I know, but I, I couldn't resist. If anything, it's a rap of a parody of a parody. So does that? It's like it's, it's like three. Li- you're Icarus. Oh, no, with parody rap. It's fine. It's fine and funny. It's good. It, uh, we, we shot it, and it's funny. I'm excited to show everyone in Brisbane. It's going to be there. You can decide next week and tell me what you think. I'm really excited to hear your thoughts, uh, rap uh, connoisseur uh, Lewis Hobber. I don't want to turn this whole intro into this, but when was the last time you listened to a song in the genre of hip-hop that wasn't a parody you had written? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It just it doesn't matter. You're, I'm you're a, parodying a genre you know nothing about. Uh, it makes me deeply anxious. I'm a big fan of my own work. All right. The other thing you need to know <laughs> is that Melbourne is about half sold uh, and there's going to be a bit of a surprise on stage. You, as an audience member, will get the chance to win a piece of Victorian politics history. Does that intrigue <laughs> you, Lewis? 
It does. I um, can't wait to get Dan Andrews' puffer vest. <laughs> well, it's it's very much along those lines. What if I said the word chapaquitic to you? What does that mean in terms of Victorian niche politics history? I'm assuming it's a car accident. I'm hoping it doesn't involve a death. <laughs> there isn't a death. There is a car accident. Uh, yes, there's something to do with Tim Smith and the word chapacritic, uh, and it's it's uh, going to be pretty exciting, a reveal on stage. So I can't wait to share that with you in Melbourne, April 2nd on stage. Are you giving away the remnants of Tim Smith's career? <laughs> no one's going to want it. That is so close, Lewis, so close. Oh, you almost got it. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal land in your nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. The following program contains medium coarse language and traces of nuts. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Comedians, experts, laughing at the world as it burns down around us. <laughs> this is a rational fear. Tonight, the stock price of Credit Suisse plummets, causing worldwide financial turmoil. Authorities in Switzerland say they are no longer going to hide money in the holes in the cheese. And the US has warned TikTok's Chinese owners they must sell due to security concerns. TikTok responded to threats with two dancers and a makeup tutorial. The talks continue. And Australia is to legalise MDMA for medicinal use. As one researcher said, Oh man, I fucking love you, man, man, I've only just met you, but I can tell... I Hey, seriously, no, seriously, we should, we should start a podcast together, man. It's the 16th of March, 2023, and with more poker machines than Nevada, this is Irrational Fear. This is Irrational Fear. Welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, colourful Sydney identity, Dan Illich, and this is the show that takes the news and forces upon it a trilateral agreement, whether you want it or not. Joining us tonight is our, we've got our own trilateral agreement. It's very exciting here. Our first fearmonger is about to launch her debut solo show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It's called Blurrier IRL, writer, performer, producer, podcast host, Amelia Navascus. Welcome to Rational Fear. Hey. Hello. Yay. Hi. Thanks for having me. All that uh, stuff people say at the top of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Are you pumped? Are you pumped for your debut in Melbourne? Yeah, pumped. It's good. Um, I like the bulletins that they send to all of the performers because the most recent one that they said was mental health. Make sure you call the hotline if you guys are stressed. Oh, oh my <laughs> I was God, like, that what is kind excellent. of emails are you guys getting? Oh, this is your first time doing the comedy festival. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. This will yeah. make oh. sense in week two. And also on the show is Lewis Hobbell. <laughs> Lewis, welcome to your podcast. You co-host Irrational Fear. Thanks, Dan. A pleasure to be here and um, across everything as per usual. Let's uh, talk about all the things that are on this show. Right. Adam Bant is popping in. We'll ask him about the CPRS probably, but first here's a message from this week's sponsor. Irrational Fear is brought to you by New South Wales Poker Machine ASMR. Button clicks, free drink sips, the jangle of cash from five Cleopatras. But the sweetest sound of all is when donations hit your election campaign bank account. If you like the sound of staying in government and the sound of Nazi photos quietly being shredded, ditch the cashless poker machine cards or else. Authorised by Clubs New South Wales in a very non-threatening way, Campbelltown. <laughs> this week's first fear 
Blackouts in Adelaide are being caused by bats. Of course, if you live in South Australia, you already know this by the more colloquial name, the bat out. Yes. Last year, 89 blackouts in Adelaide were attributed to bats resting on power lines in the wee hours of the morning as bats went to and fro from feeding. Authorities tried to call a a subcontractor to deal with the problem known as Batman, but they didn't have enough power to get the signal out. Fear mongers, what is going on with Adelaide's bats? Amelia. Well, I think this is clear that the bats are plotting revenge for a speciesist inflicted discrimination after COVID. That's clearly what's going on here. Let's be real. South Australia clearly had some strong opinions during the pandemic and they're just plotting their revenge, I think. That's so interesting. I don't know why I targeted South Australia specifically. I don't think they had any particularly different opinions to the rest of the nation. Do you think that, uh, like, obviously, you, uh, I mean, I assume you haven't communicated with the bats. I, I don't want to make any presumptions. but <laughs> Me um, personally? Yeah, you personally. Because obviously this, <laughs> the, the approach you've taken here is that the bats, wrongly slighted, are taking their revenge. The other alternative is mm-hmm. they're just trying for the second time to wipe out Australia <laughs> and the world. That's true. My other thought around it was that, like it's a lot of bats like to cause the electrical surges but they also get killed as a result, right? Like they don't survive. So part of me was also thinking like maybe the bats aren't okay. Like no, there's no like are you okay day line for the the bats. (laughs) I don't know how you do ask because you you have to sort of do it in like echoes. I think it's echolocation, right? It's like sonar. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you made a physical sign that said, are you okay, bats, uh, they could bounce mm. the waves off the physical sign and actually read it like Braille. Well, possibly if it is sonar, a great thing that might be able to ask the bats if they're okay is our new submarines. They, I imagine, will have some sort of sonar detector. Being built in South Australia. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Maybe that's why, in fact, maybe that's why the bats are killing themselves in South Australia. Maybe they know. <laughs> That once they build these <laughs> submarines, that the submarines will be able to pick up on their plan, which is, of course, to yeah. overthrow Australia and eventually the world. <laughs> once that sonar ping goes off, if they, they need to take us down before the orcas deal goes through. <laughs> this is a rational fear. What is rational fear? It's based in fear. Taking the saddest headlines and giving them a little tickle. Scams are back in fashion. The ACCC Scam Watch has revealed that 14,585 people last year were done out of $664,000 just by clicking on toll notices from, on, from scammers on their phones. Meanwhile, I can confirm that about 331 people have been scammed on Patreon for paying for this podcast, <laughs> which is otherwise free. So, you know, the scammer knows the scammy. Do, how do we sympathise with these people who are being scammed? Amelia? Oh, I don't know. I think I have a lot of sympathy for like the victims of any scams because a lot of the times like they're really vulnerable. They're people in their 70s or 80s. Like you think about those romance scammers in particular, like they're often like widowed. Like I think you you feel pretty bad like knowing that like imagine if that was your mum, right? Like you'd feel pretty bad knowing that you teaching your mum how to use Facebook in good faith all those years ago would, like, later lead to you losing your entire inheritance? Not only that, I'd be like, my mum's cheating on my dad. 
<laughs> Not only that, my mum thinks there's a real problem with immigrants and uh, I don't know where she's getting that information. <laughs> it is crazy. I don't like it, it is so noticeable the amount. Like I got another I got one today. They they're getting so mm. specific. Like it started off as like, you know, it was very broad. You have a fine you haven't paid, but now it's like they like I got a quite a specific one from my actual phone provider. That was, I think they're just like, they pick phone providers and they send them at you, but they just happened to get mine right. And I was like, nearly clicked on it. And I'm like, ah, they're not going to, they're not going to send you a hyperlink in your text, Lewis. Like, and also this isn't from Vodafone. This is just from a random number. And I'm like, I'm relatively um, across this stuff. And I, and I, there was a moment where I nearly, I nearly did it. But I, I have been done once. I got caught. I, I did um, fall for one email phishing scam and it was the worst moment of my professional life. Was the font Curls MT size 46? <laughs> Look, I mean, they just... Was this, was, this, was, this back, was this back when you were working for Norton Antivirus? <laughs> Look, they promised me an extra couple of inches and I couldn't resist. No, um, they. Um, it was like one of those, the first time I ever saw one of those, have you seen this thing about you? Text. I don't know if you've ever gotten one uh, of those scans. What's that one? It's literally that's all it says. It's a text message or an email. That's that says, targeted to people in the public eye specifically. Have yes. you seen this about you? Anxious narcissists yeah, in like, the media. Yeah. I was like, oh no. <laughs> what did I say that's going to get me cancelled? Oh my god! So and I clicked on it and um and it ended up yeah getting every single um person in my contact book. And uh, and then they and then I had to do like a full apology email to every like professional people that I hadn't seen in years. It was it, it to, as a per, at the time I was like under thirty, and as a person under thirty to have to email a bunch of boomers and go, I was <laughs> fished on an email scam. Like you might as well retire. You know, I don't know how I ever recovered from that. First of all, you got to do a lot of explaining to those boomers what phishing an email scam was. <laughs> this isn't the bad fish. Okay, it's quite different, although the spelling is similar. It's a bit like Q and A on crack. This is a rational fear. This week's third fear. We're getting new submarines, baby. Costing it just $368 billion, Australia is getting a handful of underwater tubes <laughs> that can shoot more underwater tubes. $368 billion may sound like a lot of money, but really that's only 368 years of the ABC. That's all That's all it is. That's all that is. Uh, nuclear subs. Lewis, what do you think about these subs? Are you excited about nuclear submarines? Couldn't be more excited, Dan. Look, I know, um, you know, Paul Keating, a lot of naysayers, a lot of cowards... A lot of um, people who piss the bed at the sight of the Chinese invasion—they're <laughs> saying no. Um, but me, I—I um, I know full well that the uh, boys and women, the men and women, and who are under the seas are the ones who protect us every day for the great undersea threats that we face. I know that we haven't had a working submarine since Federation. I know we've had a lot of um, <laughs> we've had a lot that uh, didn't float. That one worked. That one didn't definitely sink. worked. Yeah. I. You know what? I think this time's going to be different. I know there's no reason to believe that, and I know now we've added a little nuclear twist, which I think is an exciting. I can't wait to see how we fuck this up. Uh, I think it's so interesting. Like the, the first subs we're getting, but they're going to be secondhand American submarines. So we're going to get American submarines that are going to be cleaned up and sent to us. Mm. Uh, and they had a budget range in the story. Like it, the government's saying, oh, it's going to be between two hundred seventy-eight billion and three hundred seventy-eight billion. Like that's a that's a hundred billion dollar 
like difference. Mm. It's like that's a what a crazy range. I can only assume that hundred billion dollars is dependent on whether we actually convert the American submarines to right hand drive. I assume. I think it's whether or not we get tinted windows. I think that's quite a. <laughs> <laughs> you know what gets me is like I don't know anything about boats. I don't know why I would, but like what got me was when they said that. Uh, they need to replace the submarines every two years. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a trustworthy boat, if anything. Like, if you have to replace <laughs> your boat at, at the same time that you have to replace a phone, like, don't go 20 metres underwater. I, <laughs> like, that's I probably up... not your life purpose. <laughs> you really want to hope these Virginia-class submarines are IP68, you know, uh, uh, waterproof. <laughs> if, if you yeah. ever you talk to any, like, relatively wealthy person and you ask them what's the worst investment you ever made, They'll always say a racehorse or a boat for, for similar <laughs> reasons, which is that they will break and, uh, mm. and eventually you'll lose all your money. And it's just like this is the multi, multi, multi-billion dollar version of that. We can't make planes that fly. We can't make helicopters that do their job. We, can, we barely make human being soldiers that can't commit war crimes. You know what I mean? Like our, <laughs> our country's military is pretty fucking rogue. I just wonder if at this point we might have to just give up. What, what just give up the country? No. We don't. Or just then, let, let someone else thing, run though. it? If we just had no military, right, no one's fucking invading us. No one's going to bother. <laughs> like what are they coming for? Well, you know what as well? They're underwater. No one can see them. I feel like a whole big visibility piece in war is that someone somewhere can see it. But if it's under the water, can't we just say that, submarines are attacking each other and we could just make up the facts? Like, why do we need the boat? (laughs) Amelia, that is why I'm going into the submarine building business and we'll be launching our first submarine in 20 years' time. It's going to cost cost $3 billion. Amelia, you're the the foreman. You're going to be running the show. That's my IP. It's like, um, you know how when you uh, sometimes move into a house that's in a sketchy neighbourhood, you'll put up a beware of the dog sign or a like... (laughs) Um, you put up like a security <laughs> camera that doesn't yeah. work. Mm-hmm. We should just around Australia put up giant signs that are like submarines operating in this area. Watch out. With these submarines, they are nuclear, which means nuclear disposal, nuclear waste. There's already a debate about where that's going to go. Western Australia came out today to say, not us. We're not having it. We just don't have Try the South space. South Australia. We just don't have the space. <laughs> but, and I was like, well, that kind of makes sense because they couldn't be trusted with one bit of radioactive Lego brick. Uh, so, so they're like, well, we, we, can't even, we can't even manage a Lego brick of radioactivity. We can't. What are we going to do with a reactor? They're, everyone's kind of putting the pressure on South Australia to, to build a hole, but they can put that in. Uh, you mean a second hole? There's already Adelaide. <laughs> hey, oh, we don't need to sell tickets anymore. Oh, dear, <laughs> oh, dear. There's a great comment from Peter Dutton on this, and I swear this is not from Batuta, but he said he would love, he would support the cuts to the NDIS in order to make way for the subs. <laughs> oh, my God. When I saw that, I laughed a big belly laugh. And it was just, well, that's so typical. Like that is the that is the most, what like someone would have written that as a joke. Like, but that's not a joke. You're actually saying that. It's so much. What if we just bought one? Let them have one. You know what are we looking at there? Like twenty billion, thirty billion, forty billion. Like we can have one. We'll give them one, but not 
as not 16 or whatever. This is madness. And I kind of, I do feel like it's so funny that Paul Keating is the one that has turned the tide <laughs> on this. An old man just like pointing his <laughs> finger at the sky. No, has, no, no. <laughs> has randomly managed to turn this around. There is a point to all this that is the rise of the PLA and Xi Jinping did lay down a challenge to say you all need to get ready to invade Taiwan by 2027. Is this something we should be worried about in Australia or do we just go let them invade? I just don't think it's the same thing. They don't they don't like Taiwan and Australia are different for literally all of the reasons. They're not similar in any way at all. You know <laughs> what I mean? There's like these are very different situations. I'm not quite – this whole thing seems insane to me. Like I feel like like maybe Albanese has like a kid who wants to be a submariner somewhere. Like there's got to be a, a, a shoe that drops in this conversation that we just haven't got to yet. It's so funny mm. seeing the press coverage in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age in the lead-up to this. Their giant red dawn kind of media blitz scare, the manufacturing of consent to kind of build up to this moment. It's so strange to kind of see – you know, it actually happened unfold, unfolding in front of your eyes. And this time, you know, being an old person now and seeing many war cycles and seeing the media go through these war cycles by kind of saying all the scary stuff that's leading up to an announcement and you're like, oh, and then when you see the actual announcement drop, you're like, oh, well, that, that clearly makes sense because for the last three weeks the major broadsheet uh, has been kind of selling the idea of, of defence in a, in a major way and here we are. Here is the pie we need to eat. So interesting. Like it's so – it's mm-hmm. kind of – it makes me feel a bit disgusting like knowing, like seeing through the seeing through the facade going, oh, that's just what they're doing. Oh, in a moment there's going to be yeah. a huge announcement. It's the Iraq yeah. War again. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, we lived it again. This is the worst sequel ever because we know the <laughs> ending. Well, I think if we do want a solution that can make people feel a little more comforted in – the event of an invasion or anything like that, we've got some super bats. Like, Mm. they can protect us, surely. (laughs) We've got sky, we've got bats in the sky, we've got fake submarines underwater. Land, do your bet. Like, come on. That's such a good point. I'm not worried about an attack from China (laughs) under the the sea. I'm worried about a cyber attack on Bunnings. Um, that's, That's what I'm concerned about. And when that happens, that's when we send in the bats. Tit for tat. The only podcast made entirely by artificial intelligence. A rational fear. If you're on the free feed, you're about to hear a live read from Lewis and I about our sponsor. If you're on the Patreon, you're about to hear Adam Bant. One story we didn't get to, Lewis, is that during the pandemic, there was a whole bunch of people who pulled money out of their super fund. Mm. Uh, and the first thing that many people did was gamble. Mm. They, they, gambled their, they gambled with their money. Can you believe that? I can absolutely believe it, yeah. It's a very sad thing to do, but, you know, one thing you shouldn't do is gamble on the future of the planet, Lewis. Well, I mean, it depends, Dan, because what if you put the future of the planet on red and then it comes up red? <laughs> you know what I mean? Suddenly the future of the planet is looking twice as good. I'm not saying, obviously, the odds are a little under 50-50. But at the moment, they're probably less than 50-50 anyway. I reckon it's not bad odds. One group who aren't gambling with your money 
is Australian ethical. They're only investing in ethical businesses. That that means no fossil fuels, no companies that are detrimental to the earth. I just saw they divested from Lendlease this week, which is incredible because Lendlease is doing some tricky things with land in New South Wales and koalas and overdevelopment. So that's really fascinating stuff from them. So, uh, And they are also sponsoring Irrational Fear. So a big thank you to Australian Ethical. Dan, when the pandemic was on, I um, removed my money from my super and I invested it in human trafficking. Now, I'm just wondering <laughs> what Australian Ethical's position on human trafficking they're is. Against they're against it. They're against it. That, that, is that right? They're against it. They're, they're so against much. human trafficking. I mean, how did they come uh, to this I, position? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you should definitely ask Adam Bant <laughs> if he invests. I will. I intend to. <laughs> You're a traffic. <laughs> Adam Bant is joining us live via the internet himself, one that he is in charge of because he's part of the government. Uh, Adam, welcome to Irrational Fear. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Here you go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Adam. It's uh, it's great to hear you pop in the show every three months. And we just want to ask you one question again. Um, it's about the CPRS. Um, no. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I'll have you know that I was in Cape Town last month with an Irish journalist and he said to my face, Google it, mate. I love the Google it, mate guy. Can you believe that? I was in Cape Town with an Irish journalist and they were quoting you. How do you feel about that? That's nice. I thought you were about to say that he asked about the CPRS, but that's even better. better. Adam, where are you at at the moment? Obviously, it's a very busy time for you, for the Greens, for, you know, climate change policy in general. What's the mood? I saw a tweet today that said, well, look, we're we're about to come out of a La Nina. Um, What's the next couple of summers going to be like? And my sense from talking to people is that, but really for a lot of people, people are starting to get worried about what the climate crisis is going to mean. And we've had sort of a, 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 a bit of a wet time and sort of some reasonably wet summers. And I think now sort of pennies dropped that it's that's not going to last. And so um, I think there's a growing sense that we've got to get our skates on, that time is running out and that we've got to act. And I think we saw that sort of manifested at the last election, really, where you've got people, um, like Greens vote go up, but also independents winning seats off former Liberals and their independents who've got better climate policies than the government does. Like, just to me that there's actually a real mood and a real shift amongst people that was expressed at the election that says, radio, it's, it's really time to get on with it. I want to know, how are you working with those independents? Like, what's the, what's the vibe like working with those community independents uh, in federal parliament? And how are you thinking about that movement as you head into state elections? Look, I, I was very interesting in the, um, the, the New South Wales election that's on at the moment. We saw... Um, not only the Greens, but even now independents saying that in balance of power, they'll push for action on coal and gas and saying stop opening new coal and gas and um, rewind um, a, a parliament or two ago and it was just us who were pushing that. And I think there's a growing sense, like including them amongst independents, like if you're not tied to the fossil fuel industry, if you're not taking the donations from the coal and gas corporations, you just look at it and it's like it's common sense, right? It's like why would you open up new coal and gas mines in the middle of a climate crisis? And what we're finding is the Greens have been doing this for a while, but now also a number of the community independents 
um, who are able to speak for the science and speak for what I think, you know, a, a, a large section of the Australian population are thinking uh, and are saying things that, um, that in many instances match things that we've been saying for a long time. And I think that's really good. Like, I think that's really good that we now have this parliament where sort of roughly speaking a third of the country just less than that votes for the government, a third votes for the opposition and a third votes for someone else. And if you had the kind of electoral system that you had in New Zealand, for example, that would just that would require multi-party government all the time. And we're seeing versions of that, I think, being played out in our parliament now. I just think it's really good. What about the uh, the coalition, well, the government in New South Wales putting a ban on, on mining offshore? That's pretty interesting. Do you take credit for that, pushing them into that position? Well, this is, uh, this is exactly the point. If the New South Wales Liberals can say that they're going to put a ban on, uh, I think it was um, uh, gas, oil and coal mining offshore. I didn't know coal mining offshore was a big industry in Australia, <laughs> but I'm glad that, like, that, that's good that they've stepped up. Um, and, of course, there's, you know, a few asterisks and caveats. We've got an open-cut mine. It's called the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it's like there's, you know, there's, a, I, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it from the Liberals, but the fact that they now think that it is in their electoral interests to say something like that in the lead-up to the election, I think shows how much... Um, the, the population has shifted and the Australia Institute did a poll at the end of last year that said two-thirds of people under 34 and 57% of the population generally don't want new coal, oil or gas mines, right? And that's 57% of the population generally. And I think the penny kind of hasn't yet dropped in Parliament that this is now majority opinion. Who, who is the, who's the 30-year-old person... Well, the, the, the 30% of those 30-year-old people walking around going, you know what we need around here? We need some new coal and gas. I've always said it. I've always said it. <laughs> so, Adam, given the, given the, like, debate at the moment, like, you know, not, not in the New South Wales state election, which is also very interesting, but, but federally, obviously, there's a lot of ch- chat about, you know, l- Labor's policy at the moment, communicating with you, needing your support. How's that looking? Where are you at? So the government's got a, a plan for a thing called the safeguard mechanism that basically allows uh, unlimited numbers of coal and gas mines to come into the system and they don't actually have to reduce their pollution. They just have to buy offsets um, and they can keep on polluting. We've said to them we think there's some real problems with the scheme and um, but, look, we're prepared to, I guess, put aside our concerns and vote for it if you disagree to stop making the problem worse and stop opening new coal and gas. Now, I, been having- I look, as, as a touring comedian, Adam, I sometimes fly between capital cities and I do tick the box and I know that, that $2.70 of carbon offsets is doing fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> but I tick it because it makes me feel good. Qantas profits are doing pretty well, though, Dan, so maybe you're helping oh, out Oh, that's good, yeah, yeah. I'm helping out Alan Joyce. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, this is just it, right? It's like these offsets, especially at the the large scale, for Woodside um, that is proposing one, just one of Woodside's new projects, the Scarborough Project off Western Australia, um, that alone would wipe out any climate gains from all of the 215 corporate uh, entities covered by the safeguard mechanism put together between wow. now and 2030, right? That we're talking about, and there's at least six new gas projects and more than six new coal projects that are in the pipeline between now and 2030 and more than 100 in the pipeline altogether. So these for these, and Woodside just got, um, just tripled its profits 
they're in the billions of dollars and the cost to them of offsetting quote unquote this Scarborough project is about five million with an M a year like and these guys don't even pay any um, of the gas tax at the moment because the gas tax is broken and in many instances big corporations in Australia don't even pay for the gas at all. So it's kind of coins down the back of the couch for these guys. And so we've said to the government, look, if you want our support, we're going to have to deal with this question of coal and gas. Um, And we've said we'd look at uh, other alternatives as well. People have talked about a climate trigger, which means you can't open up a big new project in this country unless you take into account climate impacts. The independents, others have put forward a range of proposals. We've said we'll look at all of those, but really this question of coal and gas, um, we have to start dealing with it. And the government has to explain to the population why it wants to keep opening coal and gas mines. Uh, It's so kind of disheartening around the world to kind of see these huge projects still kind of get up. Um, Biden administration this week announced the Conoco Phillips Willow project, which is, if completed, will will kind of release 263 million tonnes of carbon dioxide over the next 30 years. What is this kind of deal with these so-called progressive parties trying to show how green they are, you know, trying to pretend that they're there for the environment but are trying to also fuck the planet at the same time? What's going on there? Like, what, what, how did this Willow Project get up? So the corporations that are meant and their lobbyists that are meant to be regulated by this new um, supposed climate policy that the government's putting up, donated over $900,000 to the government in the lead-up to the election. So, like, there's uh, the coal and gas industries in Australia have enormous sway, like exercise through donations, but it's also a revolving door there, right? The, the, all the resources ministers, I think, something like going back for the last 15 years, I'd stand to be corrected on that, but something like that, every resources minister... Uh, there was basically goes out the door and then ends up working for a resource company or their lobbyist. And so there's a big revolving door, there's big donations um, that that come into play. And you see that in the US, you see that here as well. But it's completely, as I said before, it's completely out of step with what people want. And I think there's sort but, of a lack of... But, like on that, Adam, Adam, on that, like, you know, $900,000, it sounds like a, to an everyday person, that's a lot of money, right? But there must be more money. <laughs> that's going their way. Like there's got to be something that is not on the books that kind of is actually sp- persuading these folks to do this because it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense. Like the money, the amount of money you see in the registers, uh, like on the registers are so small. Like in, I remember the film The Big Deal, they were talking about numbers of 30,000, 40,000 and 50,000. I'm like, that's chump change. Like that's a car. Like what else, you know, that surely there's got to be more than than what's been. Yeah, look, uh, uh, 27 big gas corporations in one year between them bought in $73 billion of income and paid no tax, right? This is like we're, we're talking oh, that's it, that's it, that's about, <laughs> like these guys have their hooks into um, the Labor and the Liberal parties and they, I've seen it in Parliament, they basically, they, they walk around the, corridors of parliament with a metaphorical big stick and say do what we want and what we demand otherwise we'll run a campaign against you and try and oust you from your seats and the um and so far governments have been cowed by that um by that kind of threat and what i think uh but that what people aren't twigging in but the, the government and the opposition haven't twigged yet is that actually like the people people would respond really well to a government that stood up 
to these corporations and they said, oh, no, actually, hang on, you've got to pay some tax and maybe your business model being premised on the destruction of the planet and life as we know it is something that we need to start winding down rather than boosting. And I think there would be huge, huge popular support for taking them on, but as it is at the moment, they're the ones wandering around saying, do, do what we want or we'll run a campaign against you. And part of our job is to say, well, no, actually... You probably it's getting to a tipping point now where you're going to lose more votes and more seats if you don't take action on the climate crisis. On the upside, if the planet does collapse, we won't have to sell comedy festival tickets. <laughs> that is real joy. Adam, in a, in a dream world, obviously, like <clears throat> in a world where that, that you run, that people who'd like the planet to survive run, you know, the Labor Party makes the decision to not allow any more um, coal mines, you know, gas mines, anything like that. But in a imperfect world where they're in a position where they've got, you know, in the Neapolitan ice cream that you described before of <laughs> the 30%, 30%, 30%, they've got vanilla on one side, they've got strawberry on the other and they're the chocolate in the middle. You what know, Lewis is trying to say, what does the Viennetta of uh, Adam <laughs> Bant look like? <laughs> uh, I guess what I mean is like if, if it comes to a point where the sticking point between, you know, them getting any progress is is this coal and gas thing that that is again from our point of view crazy reasonable, but for whatever reason to them isn't. Uh, what, what are you going to do with that? You must. I know Dan joked about the CPRS, but the the, the haunting of um, of that must be on your mind. Or like, obviously, I guess what I'm asking is like it's a principles versus I guess um, practicality decision. Potentially, like, how are you feeling about that at the moment? Yeah, look, I mean, in terms, I know the government um, loves to run the line about what happened, uh, you know, a decade and a half ago, and they completely, and then they they, they airbrush Julia Gillard out of history as if as if there was no, like, and they forget that immediately afterward, the Greens and Labor worked together and put in place climate laws that actually worked in this country, um, but like just. Putting that to one side, like that that actually doesn't really concern us too much because the like the twenty year olds who are marching in the street now with signs saying no new coal and gas were in primary school when all of that happened, and it doesn't quite have the purchase that um, that the a few Labor hacks might think it has, and they tell themselves that story a lot and so on. But it's not our experience is that it doesn't resonate and people think that our position is the common sense one. But, like, if you look back over what we've done since we've been in this parliament, there's been a number of instances like the passing of the climate law, um, passing of the EV law, where passing of the law to um, take on the gas corporations, where it wasn't done exactly how we would have liked it, but we took the view that the climate law, they're 43%, like a weak target, right, really weak target. It's premised on exceeding two degrees, which means the end of the Great Barrier Reef, for example, and destruction of the Murray-Darling Basin, like that's that's their targets. Um, but we took the view that uh, we could Dutton-proof the law, put in place a, a floor, <laughs> not a ceiling, and we passed it, even though we think it should have gone much further because, in our view, it was a small step on the road to tackling the climate emergency. When you say Dutton-proof the law, does you mean, like, writing it in very, like, <laughs> with long words, <laughs> like very verbose language? Like, is that what you, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, some, something like that. Um, the, um, uh, the, look, we're, we're, if we can take a step... Um, on this direction, then we're obviously, you've seen us say, well, look, let's do that. But what 
um, and we'll work together with the government to do that, even though what we think you're doing is, is nowhere near good enough. But I guess where we draw the line is it making the problem worse, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, if what the government is putting up actually sees the problem get worse because it says open slather on new coal and gas and actually we'll tick the climate box and say we've done this even as pollution from coal and gas continues to go up, then I guess that's that, that's a place where like, I think anyone would say, oh, yeah, don't vote for something that makes the problem worse. Amelia, did you want to? Yeah, I just had one question. Oh, you know, as a pleb, um, I think I speak for the people that far and wide and I think, you know, for this upcoming election, there's a hot-button question on the minds of many Australians. Um, so my question is, fuck, marry, kill, House of, <laughs> House of Representatives, <laughs> Senate... Or, you know, like that hectic Picasso-styled painting of Gough Whitlam in Parliament House? <laughs> I know the one you mean. Yeah, I know the one. You, you know mean. the one? I do. You know the one, Adam. Do you know the one, Lewis? No. They don't let me into Canberra anymore. And for good reason, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, you know what I did. Um, yeah, thoughts, Adam? Mm. <laughs> I can't go there. Come that's, on. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. That's like if you change the language a bit, maybe I could, I could go there a bit. Okay. Which one would you romance, wine and dine? Oh, my God. <laughs> and which one would you shame? Well, can I say, can I say I'm feeling after the last 48 hours I'm feeling particularly fondly towards Paul Keating can I say I think <laughs> anyone who, who can come out and put succinctly into words something that uh, that that I've been um, thinking for a little while about better ways to spend over 300 billion dollars um, who comes uh, he comes out and does that and manages to get on the front page that's um, that's worth a glass or two <laughs> yeah, we've just got our clip to promote the show, Adam. That's great. Thanks. <laughs> Adam, thank you so much for joining us on Rational View. I've just got a couple of questions from the folks on Patreon. Uh, Peter McNeil says, how do I Google the current cash rate? How does he do that? <laughs> go, go to a search engine of your choice. Uh, I've been advised that I, that I should be medium neutral from now on. So, uh, yeah, bing, bing it, bing it. And Hayden Shaw wants to know, what should the defence budget be? I'll take the answers in US dollars or submarines. <laughs> it should be what, is, what works for us, not what works for the US. And, Adam, I did a bit of Googling to see what you're up to lately and it looks like um, your super fund um, is a bit dirty and uh, we have a super fund that sponsors our show that's not. Uh, have you, would you ever consider moving your super fund to one that doesn't sponsor fossil fuels? I, 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 I don't know. Who is the super fund that, that sponsors yours? Australian Ethical looks after us. Uh, very, very good. I, I'm actually in a, um, I'm in a fossil-free fund. The um, Daily Telegraph chose not to mention that particular bit, but there you go. Oh, they got you. Adam, <laughs> a big, a big fair, selling fair point of our super fund is that they don't condone human trafficking. Have you checked in on yours? Does it do any human trafficking? <laughs> they, 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 tell, they tell me they don't either. So. <laughs> Hester has a different super fund for human trafficking. For human trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Van, thanks for joining us on Irrational Fear. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us on. Your fear is rational. That's it for Irrational Fear. Big thanks to Lewis, Adam Bant and Amelia. Uh, Adam, do you have anything to plug? Uh, Just, yeah, vote Greens in the upcoming New South Wales election. 
Oh, come on. Go, this is a non-partisan show, Adam. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. All right. Go just can't come see. on here willy-nilly and say vote Greens. Go and see Go and see Mandy Nolan at the Comedy Festival as well while you're there. <laughs> yes, Mandy Nolan also performing at Irrational Fear next Sunday in Brisbane. Amelia, what would you like to uh, plug? I am doing uh, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from April 10 to 22 at Bard's Apothecary. It's on the website for... You know the one, the big Melbourne one. And also Sydney in May, May 17 and 19 at the Factory Theatre. All right, Lewis, what would you like to plug? Damn, we've got a great show of Rational Fear. Uh, Brisbane <laughs> uh, World Science Festival next week. What a lineup! Mel Buttle. Correct. Mark Humphreys. Mandy Nolan. The yes. exact same person that Adam Bear just recommended. We agree, we agree on that. And also, and Daniel, it's she, yeah, of course, he'll be yes, there. Yes, <laughs> Melbourne International Comedy Festival, 2nd of April. What a lineup. Yeah. Who's, a, who's on the show? Far <laughs> out. I've got a 10 week old Just one, child one person. Just okay, one, right. one person. One person. Grace Tame. Grace Tame is on the show. Yes, very good. Grace very Tame's good. On the show. Big thanks to Road Mike's Australian Ethical, our sponsor, uh, Patreon supporters, and Jacob Round on the Tapanyaki timeline. Until next time, we'll see you next week. 